0: COVID-19 is certainly impacting all of our lives. This past week, Patty and I were in the United States visiting family and following along as to the changing scenario. Now we want to follow the recommendations that are being given by our government and so we've been in contact with our staff making adjustments from day to day and we'll continue to do that even from our home because now we have been quarantined for the next 14 days as a part of the travel advisory that the government has posted. We will continue to bring leadership and we will continue to offer midweek services at this point. We will consider next Sunday not having a service depending on the severity and the recommendations that the Alberta Health uh, is providing for us. There's a number of things that I would like to uh, share with you that may help you during this time of. that's emerging in our culture first of all I'd like to encourage us not to panic the scriptures teach us that we should not be given to a spirit of fear that we don't need to overreact but we should operate in wisdom and absolutely Christian concern to those that are around us this is an opportunity for us to show Christian concern and care to those that are maybe the elderly those that are shut-ins those that are needing our assistance So let's avail ourselves of helping people in need. And if you have a need, please contact the church office and we will see what we can do to help minister and help you in this time. Also, I want to encourage those that are considering attending the services this Sunday. If you're unable to do it, we totally understand. I would even recommend that people that are 70 plus, the most vulnerable to this uh, pandemic, to actually stay home and watch the live stream. Also, I would... Also, like to ref- make this uh, recommendation that you and I would just prayerfully consider the time that we're living in. I believe that this will be a moment of great reflection in our culture so that we can have an opportunity to present people just the understanding that there's hope even in the midst of the, the frailty and fragility of life. God bless you.
1: Well, God has a sense of humor. Last week, I was up here saying I've been here for 18 years. And it's amazing, a miracle. that I've never been asked in the last minute to come up and do a sermon. But <laughs> here I am. I heard rumors about Wednesday, Pastor Paul. While I was thinking, dude, I was thinking he's in the States. He's coming home Saturday. I heard Saturday night. And I thought, boy, you know, if he, something happened, you know, I would have to have something ready. And then I got thinking, I thought, ah. That's not going to happen. Then I heard Thursday, Pastor Paul called the church and says, you know, Mark, better get ready just in case, because they're talking about this quarantine thing. And I thought, yeah, okay. And then I just didn't, but I thought, well, I got thinking, you know, well, you'd never know. And I thought, I better start doing it. All of a sudden, he goes, Mark, you're preaching Sunday. And I thought, (laughs) and here we are. Well, we have had great baptisms this morning. Our first service, we had (coughs) three people. Uh, And um, uh, Cam has brought several people. He brings them from the Mustard Seed downtown. And I was down at the Mustard Seed this week, and what an amazing place! And the work that they're doing, and how organized they are—it's incredible what they're doing down there. And we had three people from the Mustard Seed that uh, Cam has went down and ministered to, and has led them to the Lord. And they come up, and they were baptized. And uh, one of the individuals uh, Cam found in his sleeping in his truck. And he's in a wheelchair and his, like, talk about uh, feeling like his life is hopeless. No home and sleeping in a truck. And uh, Cam picked him up, you know, put him together and, and just had led him to the Lord. And this guy is on fire for the Lord. He was baptized this morning and gave a great testimony. It was such a tearjerker knowing his story and knowing him and Cam and how it's all gone. And uh, Pastor Bud, he's the pastor of the Mustard Seed. He was here. He prayed for one of the individuals. And uh, Pastor Bud, you know... He's uh, in charge down there, and I went down there this week, and I had a, took a tour of the Mustard Seed, and right from one end to the other, and they have their a place where like they come in, and, and it's a zero tolerance for alcohol or drugs or intoxicated. So these people that come into that place, you know, they you can tell they feel safe. It's a very safe feeling atmosphere. And uh, so these people coming in there, you can tell that this is very comfortable for them and they just appreciate that. And when I was down there, we had two teams from Livingstone's Church, one cooking and the other one serving. (coughs) And it's so good to see and it was so neat to see them and give them an elbow when you're walking by them. Went up to where they have all the clothing and stuff. They have socks and underwear and pants and all kinds of stuff. And that place was spotless. And it, you know, like it was clean. And the people that are working in all these different areas, boy, they're in it with their whole heart. And uh, they had a team on the floor, and they have on the yellow T-shirts and stuff. And they go around and they just visit with people as they're having their supper and getting to know them. And there's opportunity there for us as a church to uh, take part in that kind of a thing. But it's just an awesome way to see these people being ministered to and coming to know the Lord. They come to the church, and they feel so welcome when they come here and, uh, and they, they come in the, they're in morning service, like the first service there, they come in the evening service. It's just a neat thing to see taking place in our community. And, um, you know, like I was talking to Bud, and he mentioned to me, you know, when, when, they, when we have people come down, we have to give a little bit of a debriefing because everybody has a different idea of how this thing should look. And uh, he said that he's been challenged that they should be preaching the gospel as these people are eating, they should be preaching the word. And, uh, you know, like Pastor Paul, I know when people come into the church here, they come in, the odd time they'll come in and they tell him that he should be doing things differently. He should be doing this. He should be doing that. But, you know, like Pastor Paul's been doing this for 30 years. He knows what he's doing as he's pastoring the church. And uh, Bud knows what he's doing. They all know what they're doing. They're so well organized down there. And as people get to know each other around the tables, that's where things happen. These people are defensive, you know, like they've been hurt in life and been trampled on in life, and they, you know, they're there for a reason, they have no home. They come in there and they feel loved because it's a Christian atmosphere and it's a Christian place and they don't they don't hide that fact. And they come in there, they feel safe, they feel loved. And as people get to know them, they open up their story and they lead many of them to the Lord. And it's a great ministry that's taken place in our city. And so it's an interesting thing. My message this morning is talking about we cannot come to God with our minds made up. And it's like we can't go down to the mustard seed with our minds made up what this is gonna look like. And when we come into other church organizations, all churches minister differently and have different personalities and reach out to different parts of the city. And, uh, you know, like, going into these places thinking how we think they should be done. This whole story that I'm talking about this morning is exactly that, that with God, because we have that as well. Come to God in prayer, and we're struggling because we don't seem to think that God is answering our prayers. We come to God with our minds made up of how we think that should look. And we cannot come to God with our minds made up. You know, the person who does not have faith in Christ Jesus, who's not a believer. He has a totally different perspective on life. All he's got for a plumb line in life is what he sees, he feels, he touches, he smells. That's the only plumb line in life. And anything that shakes that is shaking his world or their world. And us who are a believer, we have an eternal life, We have something so much bigger and broader to what we base our life on. A supernatural assurance of a hope that this life is nothing compared to the life that we're in store for, what's coming to us. And and so life to us should really look in, you know, and who we are should look really different to somebody that has no hope. Because when our world is shaken around us in the natural, we have the foundation of Jesus that we stand on and that, you know, is where we stand. And then, so everything else is shaking, we're standing. Because our hope is not in this world. We, hope is not in what we see. Our hope is in uh, eternity. It's in our life with Christ. And um, in our humanness. It's just the way that we as human beings are. That we feel like we need to be going somewhere all the time. We need to know where we've been. And we need to see where we're at. And we need to see where we're going. And we're supposed to be able to look at all this and, and just live this life out with a process in mind. And yet the road that we walk in this life, there's some twists and turns that seem to catch us off guard. And at times, they turn us in a completely different direction than we were planning on going. And this can be extremely unsettling, especially when we have our hearts set on a particular result in life very difficult when we, you know, a loss of a loved one. It can take you and can just turn the direction of your life in a completely different direction. And God understands this about us as people and how that we think and how we are. And he's always reaching out to us, wanting to help us walk through these times in life. These twists and turns that come to all of us at some point in another. He is um, wanting us to experience that with him. And uh, we recognize that God wants to walk with us through these difficulties. He knows what is coming, and he wants to guide us and teach us through the good times and then help us to walk through the pitfalls that we come to in life. He knows what's in store, and it's if we build on this now when things are good, when things are come bad, we have a, a footing underneath us. God has given us Word, his word, and he's given us his Holy Spirit to guide us through this life We have to be willing to learn who God is and be willing to do what it is that he's asking us to do. And in learning that, we see that Jesus says, "'Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest.'" Now, verse 29, he says, "'Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light.'" Now this, take my yoke upon you. In uh, The yoke that goes on an ox's neck is that uh, leather thing that goes over their neck and it goes on each one and they're tied together and they walk together. And Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and I am gen- for I am gentle and humble. Like Jesus is gentle and he's kind. And as we put on a yoke and we walk with Jesus in his humility and his kindness, we'll find rest for our souls. It's not about, you know, what I want and what he wants and he's not, you know, demanding great things from me. His, he's, we find rest for our souls for his yoke is easy and his burden is light. One of God's prophets, Habakkuk, come upon hard times in his life and circumstances were looking very bleak. Nothing was going the way that he was expecting it to go and, or wanting it to go and things were difficult. Now look at uh, Habakkuk's response to this. He says, though the fig trees, we see what's happening. Uh, Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Habakkuk had a real personal relationship with God. Like, this is Old Testament we're talking about, but he knew God. He knew that God looked towards him with favor. He understood the scriptures when the scriptures say that it rains on the just and the unjust. Habakkuk knew that he had no control over his circumstances, then, when they were not favorable, he knew, he never blamed God, and he knew that God looked toward him with favor. He trusted God regardless of what was going on around him. He knew that God was for him and loved him, and he praised him for that. And when we understand that God is for us and that he loves us and that he continually is speaking to us and trying to draw us to himself, how could we not come to him? We have to come to him with our minds wide open, wide open to the truth, and a clear understanding of what life is really all about. Like we will, when we have our minds open to the Lord and we grab a hold of his hand and as we allow him to teach us and instruct us, life all of a sudden begins to make sense. And this may be, seem a little bit difficult if we feel like maybe we're the reason or the cause for our tough circumstances. Too many times it is our expectations of who we want God to be that gets in the way of God really being able to show us himself. You know, we have expectations of who we want God to be, how we think what it should look like. And this gets in the way many times of who God is trying to show us who he is. You know, it's normal to be disappointed once in a while. I've worked hard in my life to really try to base my life on what the scriptures say. And, these, and things will never always work out the way that we think that they should. And I know that we have all had our share of disappointments. And it's as I have aged that I think that I have become aware of my expectations in different parts and different areas of life. And I've learned to hold them in check, patiently learning to wait on God's timing. I'm I'm learning. Jesus, okay, uh, we become disappointed when our expectations of people are not met. And this is really nothing new. We can see examples of wrong expectations towards God in the scriptures. And this is where we're going to go this morning with this whole thing. That we cannot come to God with our minds made up. We must let God be God in our lives. I believe that this is a huge thing to discover for us as believers because God knows what he's doing and we have to trust that and I think that you know like he gives us an assurance of faith like faith isn't just some just a word faith has got substance to it and God's wanting us to learn this and to and that it would make such a difference in each one of our lives and our walk with him if we wouldn't come to him with our minds made up if we figure this out we would be more like Habakkuk because we would understand that regardless of our circumstances God's love for us never changes. And it's, uh, if we tr- just trust him, he promises to deliver us out of all of our troubles. So the text we're going to be looking at this morning, you can take those Bibles in front of you if you like and follow along here, but it's going to be 2 Kings chapter 5. And the story here is about a man named Naaman, who was a great commander in the Syrian army, and uh, he was highly regarded because it was through him that the Lord, it says has given him great victories. He's a Gentile king who doesn't know the Lord. You're going to see that as we go along here. But, you know, God gets the credit for giving him great victories. And then they did, a, uh, the Syrians did a raid on Israel at one time, and they took captive a young Israeli girl. She sure served as Naaman's uh, servant. He served Naaman's wife. And she told her mistress, he said, if my master would see the prophet who is in Israel, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman had leprosy. And Naaman went with a letter from his king. It obviously really did bother him because he went with a letter to the king of Israel and he gave it to him. And uh, when the king read it, he tore his robe. He freaked out. He thought that this king was trying to pick a fight with him, that he was trouble was coming and it, uh, it upset him greatly. And then Elisha heard what had happened. And in verse 8, we see, when Elisha, the man of God, heard the king of Israel, he tore his robes. He sent this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have, have the man come to me, and he will know there is a prophet in Israel. No. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent out a messenger to him, saying, go wash seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry. He said, I thought he would surely come out and he would stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Pharpar the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters in Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? And so he turned and he went off in a rage. Naaman figured he thought how this was going to go. He figured he had it all figured out. This is how this should look. This is what should take place. And if he would have kept walking, he would have missed his healing. Naaman's servant went to him and he said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you have done it? Would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times and the man of, uh, as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was made restored and he became clean as a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and he said, Now I know there is no other God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept my gift. And it's an interesting thing. Like when we have, like uh, Naaman's coming to Elisha, the prophet of God, with an expectation of how this is all going to take place. And how many times do we see... uh, Come to God with our mindset on how God is going to answer our prayers and our requests, and I don't know about you, but I think that we do this a little too often. I know that I do this often, and I have to stop myself. And uh, remember, Jesus said in uh, John chapter 14:27, He says, "I do not give as the world gives." And when we come to the Lord, we have to be open and say, "Okay, Lord, you know we can come to Him with our petitions." and we can come to him and asking. But when we get angry at God because he's not doing things the way that we think he should be doing things. Now that's an interesting thing that we can get angry at God because he's not doing something instead of saying, "Okay, you know, maybe I'm not going about this the right way." And we get angry, you know, when we get angry that he doesn't answer our prayers, are we not being like Naaman here? When Naaman came to Elisha, He had an image in his mind about what this was going to look like and how this was going to take place. And when his expectation was not met, he went away in a rage, stomped off in a rage. You know, when you think about it, God has not done two things the same. You think of the fingerprint, you think of the blade of grass, you think of any of these things that you put under a microscope and everything is different. And, you know, like that should tell us something right there. It should be ding, ding. If everything is different, then God doesn't do two things the same. It's like, okay, every time we pray, we have to say, okay, Lord, you know, this is, you know, my request. And let God guide us from there. I thought that he would surely come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure my Cure me of my leprosy. And when, he come to God, we can't, when we come to God, we cannot come to him with our minds made up. Now we have to come to him with faith, believing he exists. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those who diligently or earnestly seek him. Do we earnestly seek him? We need to ask ourselves. Do we earnestly seek him? He rewards those who earnestly seek him Naaman's servant went to him and he said my father if the prophet had told you to do something great would you not have done it how much more then, when he tells you just wash and be cleansed there's no room for pride in the kingdom of heaven you know the enemy was cast down because of pride like I think there were five I wills that the enemy said I will exalt my throne above God's throne God has taken the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. You know, he's hidden the truths about himself right in front of our faces. You know, that the non-believer can't take it, can't see it. He says in Romans that by creation alone are people guilty of sin. When they say no to God, they say, no, he's, you know, I can't see him. I don't believe in him. I'm not going to believe in him. There's going all of us are going to be without excuse. He's taken the foolish things that confound the wise. Naaman had to humble himself. And so he went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. As the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored, and he became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and he said, Now I know there's a God in that I know that no, there's no God in all the world except for the God of Israel. So please accept. A gift from your servant. Now it's interesting, you know, when we want to show gratitude, if uh, if we don't have a savior, like prayer is huge gratitude. Let me pray with you. Let me bless you. You know, uh, but when all we have is this world and its goods, you know, we show gratitude. He wanted to give him money, and it's interesting. I I do like there's a team of us that do visitation in the hospitals, but I go and I do quite a bit of hospital visitation. I got a call around Christmas time to do a visitation in the hospital. And what I, I just love, my granddaughter, Phoenix, she just turned 12. She likes to come with me and do some hospital visitations. And, and I, her and I were together one day, and I said, I had this uh, slip of the room number in my pocket. And I said, hey, Phoenix, I said, let's go up and do some hospital visitations. She said, okay. And so we went up to do this hospital visitation because somebody had called the church, and they asked if I would go and see uh, an individual. And so we went up there, and I had the room number, and so we walked up to the room and uh, got to the end of the hall, and when I was supposed to turn right, I turned left. <laughs> and then turning left, I went to the room number, and I looked at the name on the slip, and I looked at the room number, and I looked at the name on the wall. The name didn't match, but the room number was there, so I thought, well, you know, it's obviously a mistake on the name instead of thinking it's a mistake on the room number. So I went into the room, and, and I, so I went by the name on the wall, and I said, hi, John, or whatever his name was. I think it was John. I said, I'm, from, I'm Mark Stevenson, I'm a pastor from Livingstones Church, and, and somebody in your family called and asked if I'd come up and see you, and he goes, really? From the church? <laughs> and his daughter was there with him, and she goes, who would that be? Who would be calling the church to come and visit us? And I said, well, I don't know. He says, but I have this prayer blanket with me, because uh, people, there's ladies in the church that knit and crochet these uh, prayer blankets, and we'd like to take them and give them to the people that we do visitations with. And uh, what we do with those blankets is they're knitted, they're handed into the church, and they, they uh, are put into a cupboard. And then we bring them out, and we put them in a big pile, and we just pray over them as a staff. And then when we go do visitation, we take those with us. So I took this blanket, and I told the, the ladies, it's got to be masculine-looking blanket because it's a guy I'm going to visit. And, and so we went into the room, and he's an older fella. And I said, yeah, I said, this is a prayer blanket. Like, they're sort of standing there with their mouths open, like, what's going on here? <laughs> And it was a little bit awkward because I, I kind of figured, I felt like, man, this, this is, I'm not sure about this. But, you know, when they ask somebody phones and they ask you to go visit their loved ones, you go visit their loved ones and you just sort of see what you get. <laughs> because sometimes they don't want you visiting them. <laughs> so we're standing there and I said, yeah, this is a prayer blanket. I says, the, and I told them the story about the ladies knit them at the church and we blessed them as a staff. And I said, we take them, we like to give them to people. And I said, and it's a gift from us as a church to you. And then he takes it out of the bag, and he's looking at it, he goes, oh, it's a nice blanket and stuff like that. He's an older fella. He's probably late 80s. And then uh, he says, and then I p- took his hand, and I says, can I pray for you? And I prayed for him, and I prayed for his daughter. Me and Phoenix did. And then uh, he says, get my wallet, honey. He says, and I says, oh, no, no, no. I said, like, as if it wasn't awkward enough. But I says, no, no. I said, that's not what this is about. I says, we don't want your money. I said, that's not what this is. And he says, no, no, no. And and I was trying to talk him out of it. And then his daughter says, look, if he wants to give you money, just take the money. He says, it's easier. Just take the money. I said, okay. And he grabbed his wallet and he gave me a $100 bill. And, he's, and I says, okay. I says, I'll put this in the offering of the church. And he says, it, yeah. He says, I just want to bless the church for, you know, them making these blankets and then all the good things that the church does. And then so, and I, I did take it and I put it in the offering. I put it in the uh, Christmas offering. If you're wondering what he did with that $100 bill. <laughs> And so Christmas time we I did that with it but you know we left there and you could tell they were blessed. They blessed them that we come in and we prayed for them <laughs> even though it was it was God's design. He's sovereign. Who knows? Like I don't know what his deal was or you know how long he had to live or anything but we went out and turned and went into the main hallway and I stopped and I looked at Phoenix and I said I think I was in the wrong room. <laughs> and she goes, "I know, grandpa." <laughs> So then we walked across the hall and went into the room on the other side, in the 32s instead of 33s, and uh, the individual had passed away before we could get in there to see them, which was kind of sad. But it's just interesting to me that this individual wanted to give us money. You know, like uh, we did, we blessed them, and we were, you know, prayed with them and gave them the blanket just to bless them, and yet their response was to give money. You know, I'm, I'm positive they weren't churchgoers. They just really looked like they were not church goers. They didn't really, you know, give that vibe that they knew anything about church, but he wanted to show his gratitude, and the way he would show his gratitude is give money, and, you know, and so it was, God bless him, and I pray for him. I pray, Lord, that you save his soul and her soul. I pray that that day they never forget, Father, that your Holy Spirit come into that room and uh, impart it into them, Lord God, the seed of salvation, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So what I'm trying to say here this morning is that like Naaman, you know, we can't be like this. We can't come to God with our minds made up. We need to be open to what God is doing. In that awkward moment, I knew what it should look like. I should go into the room and they should be familiar or at least be expecting a pastor's visit, but... It was none of that. And if I went by how I felt and and, uh, uh, what I was expecting, I would have just sort of walked out of the room and back down the hallway and and left. But I thought, no, you know, by the sovereignty of God, I'm here. We have to throw down all of our preconceived ideas about God in the way that, okay, Lord, how are you going to do this? Okay, Lord, what? And we have to leave the who, what, where, when, why's to God. And many times we don't understand our circumstances, why we're going through the things we go through. God does, and he knows exactly what is happening. He knows exactly why it's happening. And like Naaman, instead of getting angry because things are not happening the way that we think they should, we need to take a lesson, even from Jesus, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's in anguish about having to suffer And he's petitioning God. He's asking him, Lord, God, Father, there's got to be another way. There's got to be another way. But he said, ultimately, our answer has to be like his answer. Father, but not my will. Your will be done. We will not always understand what God is up to. Like the children of Israel standing by the Red Sea. Just left Egypt following the lead of the Spirit. And they've got no place to go. They're led there by God, and it looked like they were doomed, but God had a plan. A short time later, they're on the other side of the water, they're on the shore, and they're dancing, and they're singing a new song of deliverance. Then marching up to Jericho. Jericho at the time was a superpower in its day. They marched up by faith, understanding in the natural. Not understanding in the natural what God was up to, how he was going to do this. But they were just following God's marching orders. And the walls that they were, stand, were standing between them and the victory came tumbling down. And like Habakkuk, we also have to know God. We have to know him. And we can know him. He's made a way for us to know him by sending his son, Jesus Christ. He suffered for our sins so that we could have eternal life and that we could walk with him. He sent his Holy Spirit to live within us so that we could know him. And he's made a way possible for us, but we must take some steps. Many times our circumstances in life stop us and they make us ask, what is life really all about? What is the purpose of life? Knowing Jesus who has been raised from the dead and promises to show himself to us is an amazing thing. He's the one who was sent to save us. And so I want to close with this story here. It's a cute little story. It's the an, uh, an only survivor of a shipwreck washed up on uh, a small, uninhabited island. He prayed feverishly for God to rescue him, and every day he scanned the horizons for help, but none seemed forthcoming. Exhausted, he eventually managed to build a little hut out of driftwood to protect him from the elements and to store all of his few possessions that he scrounged up. But then one day, after scavenging for food, he arrived home and he found his little hut on, in flames. The smoke was rolling up into the sky. The worst had happened. Everything was lost. HE WAS STUNG WITH GRIEF AND ANGER. GOD, HOW COULD YOU LET THIS HAPPEN TO ME, HE CRIED. EARLY THE NEXT DAY, HOWEVER, HE WAS AWAKENED BY THE SOUND OF A SHIP THAT WAS APPROACHING THE ISLAND. IT CAME TO RESCUE HIM. HOW DID YOU KNOW I WAS HERE, HE ASKED. WE SAW YOUR SMOKE SIGNAL, THEY REPLIED. IT'S EASY TO GET DISCOURAGED WHEN THINGS ARE GOING BAD. BUT WE SHOULDN'T LOSE HEART BECAUSE GOD IS AT WORK IN OUR LIVES. IN THE MIDST OF OUR PAIN AND OUR SUFFERING, GOD IS AT WORK. REMEMBER, THE NEXT TIME YOUR LITTLE HUT IS BURNING TO THE GROUND, IT JUST MIGHT BE THE SMOKE THAT'S SIGNALING AND SUMMONS THE GRACE OF GOD. IT'S SO IMPORTANT FOR US TO LET GOD BE GOD IN OUR LIVES. YOU KNOW, YOU DON'T SEE MANY LETTING GOD BE GOD IN THEIR LIVES. We can't come to God with our minds made up. He knows exactly what's needed. He promises to be there for us and with us. And you know, it's when we are struggling and when things are tough is when we really see the hand of God moving in our lives. When things are going so smooth, it's like we sort of turn our back or sort of turn sideways. We get busy doing all kinds of things. But when we have a need, then we see the hand of God moving in our life. These people coming into the promised land, it's a perfect picture for us as a church. When they came into the promised land, the only two times they didn't have victory, one was that little town of Ai, however you say that, Ai, is how you spell it. They went, they said, oh, we don't need to take all our soldiers, let's just go in there, we can make quick work of that little town, because they just knocked over Jericho. But they went, they they couldn't knock them over. And I know one thing, they didn't even pray about going in to attack that. There was sin in the camp from Jericho, but they never prayed and they never got victory in that situation. Uh, Joshua hits the ground. He's crying out to God all day long and God says, Joshua, get up. He says, what are you doing? He says, there's sin in the camp. But when they went into the promised land, they sought the Lord before every battle. They sought God, and God gave them instruction, and that's what they did. They went in like this. They said, okay, Lord, you know, like, we're coming up to this territory. You know, what do we do? And then God would give them directions. They would do what he said, and they would walk into the next territory. When they came, uh, and we need to do this in our lives today, here in 2020, when we are not sure where there's a barrier in front of us that keeps us from doing what God is asking us to do as individuals, as Christians, or as a corporate body, as a church, that's when we need to just seek God for directions. And that's what is the beauty in the Christian life. And I think that we miss it, you know, a fair bit of the really the nitty-gritty of the Christian walk when we have such prosperity and we're so busy making a living and so busy working on retirement, so busy gathering stuff. And we gather this stuff with a credit card. And then we've got to take jobs away from home to pay for this stuff. And all this goes circle and goes on and on and on. But, you know, the ministry, the men's ministry does much better in a time of recession than it does in a a time of prosperity. And I think that just seems to be general. We see that with the children of Israel. When they're prospering, they forgot the Lord. Their kids forgot the Lord. So we need to take advantage of this time, not to see this time as a time of... uh, of grief, but see it like God is in control. He knows what we need. He knows what he's doing, and he knows he wants to reach the people of our city and the people around us. So this is a time for us to just get down on our face and just to draw our strength from the Lord because that's where our help comes from. And uh, it's all this prosperity, all this stuff is really good. It's nice. It's comfortable. But, you know, when the rubber hits the road, comes down to it, it's walking with the Lord. It's getting to know him. It's doing what he's called us to do. And it's, and it's living that life. And you know, and the rest, This you see things like this. Come and go through life. And you know, don't worry. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Let's stand. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Father God, that you want us to come to you with open hands and an open mind, Lord, to allow you to develop us to show us, Lord God, what you would have us to do, the directions you'd have us to to move, Lord God. I just pray that you would just draw us to our knees. I pray for everybody, Lord, that maybe be experiencing anxiety, Lord, because of what's going on all around the world. I just pray, Father, that people would recognize that it's you, Jesus. It's you that as we keep our minds stayed on you, the creator of the universe, if we keep our minds stayed on you, Lord, You promise to give us the peace that passes understanding. You say that we will mount up with wings as eagles. And so, Lord, we commit this world to you. We pray your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Father God. And in all of our lives, Father, help us to be the light that you're calling us to be, Father, as people get anxious and concerned and scared, even as my granddaughter expressed fear, Lord. I pray, Father God, that you would help us, your people, to shed the light that there's nothing to be afraid of in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you as you go. Enjoy the week and